Play hard, don't take. Take these wins to the bank. Don't lose, don't stank. We need to improve our rank. episode 133 of Wolves Cast, the show featuring two VIPs who aren't allowed to use the Target Center employee entrance. It's hosted by myself and my brother, I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Yeah. We can use any other door, but not those, not, not, that, not that door. That's not the one for us. Spike will always let you sit courtside, use whatever entrance you want. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, he spends like, I forget the number, he spends like over a million dollars on the Knicks like every year. No, I think that might be made up. I think maybe it was like in his time being a Knicks fan, he spent like three or four million. I believe it. But either way, he's he's spending a lot of money on you, Knicks. And uh, I just love that Dolan's throwing everyone out who who chants like, he's all the team. He's like getting rid of everyone. Which which celebrities do you think do get to use, you know, the the Target Center employee entrance? Like, does Nick Swartzen get that or or what? Joe Maurer. Yeah, Maurer gets to use that. Yeah, yeah I can see that. He's so polite, and they're not going to tell him no. Obviously, Glenn. You know, he's the, he's the biggest VIP of them all. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, I'm just trying to wonder if Jason anybody... Derusha. Yeah, <laughs> different, uh, you know, different local news celebrities and local anchors. Right. <laughs> That's all we have. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, welcome to Wolves Cast, everybody. We're back with another show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to our podcast this week. Um, we have something yeah. that hasn't happened in a very long time, everybody. Oh? Our win column went up by two this week. Wow, two huge wins. Back to back! Consecutive games. On consecutive wins. days. We want a back-to-back. Amazing, amazing stuff right there. Not only back-to-back games, back-to-back days. That's right. Two that's wins right. in like 28 hours or something. Yeah, so you, the listener, should be very excited for this week of Vols Cast because we two are. wins. Because we are. Yeah. We always bring more energy when we're coming off a win. That's We've right. talked about how rare that can be. That's right. Uh, but yeah, we got lots. we got a jam-packed show for you today. we got, we got a long dock, as we would say uh, here. We're little, doing a segment we haven't know. done all year. Oh yeah, we got we got a lot of that. So yeah, we'll have re- week recap, uh, we'll full court press. We're gonna get into uh, Alan Crabb being waived. Talk a little about Ryan Saunders and the job he's done this year, and of course, talk about tattoos. We haven't talked about that. We got some new guys on the team. We got some new ink to talk about. So we'll get to that. Uh, we have a sponsor, um, as Scott alluded to. We are going to uh, do a segment we have not done all year long. It's about a once a once a season kind of segment for us. It is fan fiction. Uh, so yeah, we'll, uh, we have, we have written some fan fiction. Um, you get to hear the fan fiction theme music fans. Uh-huh. uh-huh the only time this year. So, uh, make sure you stick around for that. And then we have a uh, weekly Wolfies and a game. It's all happening this week on Wolves cast. Let's dive in two week recap. Scott, the wolves are 19 and 42. They're 22nd on offense, 20th in defense. And that's good for the 24th best net rating. Can't believe the, the defense stayed at 20 after the week, man. Yeah. After another week where we held like the magic scored 136 against this team, <laughs> just another week of just crazy point totals. That's right. The wolves lost last Friday in Orlando, 125 to 136. And yeah, this was probably the worst defensive effort of the week, I would say. And there's a lot to choose from <laughs> for the wolves, right? Lots of bad defensive efforts to choose from but i'll say this was the worst one I especially because orlando's just they're they're known for their defense they're not a good offensive right. team so when they hang 136 on you it's, it's like a oh. rare rare treat for the orlando fans to <laughs> yeah, see that yeah i blame this entirely on the galaxy's edge hangover all of them probably wow. went to star wars galaxy's edge the you know night before had a little too much fun at oga's cantina you have to do it 
had a little one too many fuzzy tauntauns. Yes, that's right. And too, many, uh, too much jet juice. Yeah, exactly. And so it, it just looked like they were hung over from the Disney World fun yeah. during this game. I think that's the case. Uh, yeah, re- rebounding and second chance points were really tough for the Wolves in this one, as it is most most games for the Wolves. And then uh, uh, Ross, uh, what's what's Ross's first name? Terrence. Uh, Terrence Ross had a season high in scoring. He, he like scored 35. fifty points in a game for the Raptors. Oof, wow. Yeah, he's, uh, he's done that. You know he can get buckets. He's one of those guys who every time I watch him is amazing, and I'm just like, why aren't more people in on Terrence Ross? And then you look at his numbers, and you're like, oh, he just sucks in every game. I don't watch him apparently. But this is another example of me tuning in for. Terrence Ross game and him putting on a show. That's right. And Aaron Gordon also uh, had a nice game, a triple double in this game. So yeah, Magic. You know, they're they're one of those middle of the pack teams. They're kind of you know not really notable, but hey, they're going to be in the playoffs again. So they're, they're kind of sneaking in there doing their thing. Um, but yeah, for the Wolves, yeah, the one in Miami and then got the loss uh, in Orlando. Uh, but they kept it moving on Sunday. Uh, went over to Dallas to lose one ninety one. Excuse me, ninety one to one eleven. Wasn't it at home? Oh, uh, is this a home game? Yeah, you're right. It was. I feel like it was. Home game. Because it was Crunch's birthday, Neil. Crunch's birthday. How could I forget? You sent me the videos That's of right. all the Olympic events. There's an Olympic theme. So they all came uh-huh. out with like, you know, to the Olympic opening music. They did a race around the concourse. Uh, yeah. We're they, talking about mascots right now, you guys. This isn't, we're not talking about the players. The synchronized swimming was particularly oh, yeah. inspired. I just, <laughs> I thought the mascots, we got some of the worst NBA mascots. We, we got none of our favorites. No Slamps in the Lion. No yeah, Benny the Bull. No Rumble. No Rumble. Yeah. And so that that was kind of tough, but it's fun to see other mascots though. G Wiz took his hat off. I didn't know he could do that. That that is impressive. <laughs> but we didn't even get like a Hugo or a Clutch the Teddy Bear. Yeah, you yeah. know, or we, not even a Rocky the Mountain Lion. Yeah, but, kind of a tough tough pickings. Right, but I was uh, very happy with the inspiration they brought to it. They brought a little extra energy to it, and I appreciated that. Yeah, like Scott said, they had a Olympic Games sort of uh, theme going. So like each break, they would do a different you know category, different event. Uh, if you will, and some fun stuff. You know, they went, they took it off the court, went into the concourse, you know, did a couple other things. So yeah, they get they get uh, high marks for originality and not just doing the typical sort of oh, let's do a little dance together thing. Like they did a lot more than usual. So yeah, absolutely. The you know, I'm I'm glad we didn't buy tickets to this game. We were talking about yep, it yep, about yep. going. And, uh, you know, the Dallas decided to arrest Luca. I, I didn't see the news about their fine, but surely they got fined $25,000 for that, right? I think they probably just said it was his hand. And, you know, and that's that. That's, oh, that's so the he, thing. he can the, play the a game, problem. sit out one game, then play the next game. And it's, oh, that's an injury thing. You just have to write down a body part. And that's where the Wolves messed up. They yeah. just wrote down rest. You're really, like, you're you really ask, yeah, you're asking for it if you write down rest. <laughs> you just got to be. I wonder if you could just put, like, mental health. Right. Like, mental health day. Yes, personal day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, personal, personal day. He had the sick day saved up. We had to give him one. That's right. But, uh, uh, you know, Kristaps uh, Porzingis filled in nicely uh, Ooh, there for Luka. He? he was amazing. He was the best player on the floor in this game. 22 points in the first half. Finished with 38 points, 13 rebounds. And the Wolves, you know, they are a uh, undersized team at the moment and yeah. just in general. And, uh, yeah, Porzingis took advantage of that. And he just had a clean look at the basket all oh, night long. That's what makes <laughs> him so dangerous, though, is even if we had Cat, he could still shoot three. over him. Yeah. yeah. There's, there are very few players who can make him uncomfortable. His relief. Is just maybe so crazy. It's so high. Maybe like the best player to guard him is on his own team in Boban. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's the only guy who can block a shot. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, so uh, he took care of business. Um, I don't like his haircut this season. It's very alt-right-ish. It is, yes, indeed. Uh, Curry. Every time I see him, I just think that he like hates different races. Seth Curry was very good in this game. 27 points, and wow, he had so many threes. He was just making every single shot. Uh, Dave Benz and Jim Peterson are obsessed with uh, Seth Curry's shooting percentage. I always want to know if he's higher than Steph. Yeah. And so, like, every time we play, they they update, like, like where an NBA ranks is three point per shooting percentage currently is and it's just like okay guys we, we heard it every other time we played dallas this year <laughs> yeah really uh basically the second half of this game was blowout territory dallas came on halftime and and really took care of business and you know put this put this away wolves didn't score until the eight minute mark Ooh, of the third quarter like just, a, just a little drought there and it was tough so uh yeah su- sunday games as you mentioned here scott in the notes are tough the worst games of the season have all been all sunday afternoon games i think even russell they mentioned on the broadcast tonight that russell even blamed it on sunday you know he was like oh it was sunday, it was a sunday game so. it's just crazy because you know we changed the personnel and the curse still remains it's got to be something that we're doing like i've said it before after that terrible suns game we went to on a sunday afternoon earlier this season remember how bad that was both yeah. teams shot like 30 percent and we have a lot of sunday games coming up scott it looks like most of them are, are evening games though thankfully that's better we have the one this weekend coming up that that you'll you'll be in. I'll be out there. Yeah, that's not last... game. I'm fully expecting them to shoot sub 35 percent from the floor again <laughs> I think because the last weekend. Game. I just I don't know what they're doing the night before or the day of, but just change it because it's not working, guys. Yeah, I think it's just routine. It's just like this feels weird. Yeah, but like, we're this... throwing the other team out of routine. Why did yeah, Dallas get to stomp yeah, us? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Why can't they not be in their routine? Seriously. Um, Speaking of New Orleans, the Wolves uh, went to New Orleans. It was in New Orleans on Monday and... uh, Crescent uh, City. Sorry, it was on Tuesday, right? It was back-to-back? Yeah. Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, I have the wrong date in here. And uh, one. one, One (laughs) thirty-nine. Make sure that number is right. One... 139 points to 134 points. What a score. At least this one. A regulation score. At least this one I understand because of the pace. Sure. This was maybe the fastest Timberwolves game of the season. Like Sometimes when I'm watching the game on replay, Neil, I'll I'll fast forward 10 seconds to get through some dead time so I can watch the games a little faster. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Every time I fast forward 10 seconds, you'd see a guy like under the basket and the ball dropping. It's like, oh man, it was like the 10 seconds or less offense, you know, reminding you of the Suns seven second or less. Because you cannot fast forward ten seconds without missing something. On well, and, and in this game, uh, you know, I think you know New Orleans plays fast anyway. But the turnovers, you know, you know, will turn oh, the yeah. ball over. That that just fueled the the Pelicans' run. Yeah, you the know, Pelicans so. throw the full court passes like the Lakers did oh, yeah. against us. And then yeah. the Timberwolves have been number one in pace since the trade deadline. Wow! So yeah. just fast teams who like to get up and down the floor. Uh, Minnesota scored a season high forty four points in the second quarter. This is you know to me where the game sort of flipped. You know, it was kind of uh, um, the first quarter was kind of amp, but then you know the second quarter is where Minnesota really put into high gear. And that Pelicans said, bench here. unit just gave it all up. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Their 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 reserves not not quite on point here. Um, but yeah, Minnesota really uh, got in the game and and kind of took took control of the game a little bit. Again, it was it was a really good game throughout. It was just close the whole time. You know, it wasn't like Minnesota went way up, but you know, kind of kind of got into gear there in that second quarter and it kind of propelled them throughout the rest of this game. Zion um, looked impressive. Yeah. Yeah, Zion's going only in the paint, you know, oh my just gosh. getting that getting that lefty, just getting that body into and, you, and despite, getting some separation. Despite how dominant he was, Nas Reed, first double-double. Yeah. First career double-double. Yeah, finally, finally pulled down some boards. Yeah, and I think we're, we'll talk about him a little bit, too, because he had a good game in Chicago. But I thought, I'm forgetting what player said it, because a lot of players have been pumping, you know, mm. was pumping his tires, I think is uh, <laughs> yeah, what Meg says up. sometimes. <laughs> and... Uh, 
they've been doing that because he it's so hard for a rookie, 20 year old rookie, yeah, to go against all these starting centers in the NBA. Like he is the starting center matchup. And so he's playing all these big guys. Six, six nine. And yeah. it's just incredible. I mean, we we've talked obviously a lot about how he fouls really easily and how he has a hard time staying on the court sometimes, but there's really no choice for him to be out on the court. And he, I think he we're finally seeing him kind of rise to the challenge a little bit. Yeah, Garden Zion too. That's great. I mean, Zion's an under undersized guy too. So, you know, you know, a little bit better of a matchup for him there. He's not some huge seven footer or some you know stretch guy or something like that. So it's crazy too. Yeah, right? He had a great uh, defense against Chicago, where it was just like I think Jim Peterson said that would be a foul two weeks ago. You know, like he couldn't block <laughs> uh, that shot a while yeah. ago. He's moving his feet better. He's learning. He's coming along. And you know, I was upset with uh, his rebounding. I was like, man, for a big guy, he doesn't. And he's not even huge. I think he's like six ten or something. So he's not even really a real, real big man. But I was just like, why does this not guy not get any rebounds? He had his best two rebounding games of the season on in these last two games. What's up, Nas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's six six nine or something like that. Pretty small. The Wizard of Nas. There he is. Yeah. So shouts to Nas there. Uh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, Wolves. You know, got the, got the win on the road as there, as it's been doing. Uh, Pelicans missed ten free throws in this game. But yeah, the Wolves was really just clamped down. They had a twenty-two. They finished the game on a twenty-two to ten run. Um, so closing things out, D'Angelo kind of came alive. Get some shots to well, go. Yeah, and, D'Angelo had a poor yeah. start to this game, and Jordan McLaughlin yeah. was playing like really well but he had to be taken off the floor i think he injured himself temporarily and d'lo just came in hard. and was great yeah exactly <laughs> as, as he does but uh d'lo came in and he finished it off you know really well it was great and then uh one more game to talk about here wednesday night just the other night uh wolves win uh shockingly at home they get the win at home Ooh, where they have a rare uh, thing. had a hard time uh they beat chicago 115 to 108 on Wednesday, as we um, I think we mentioned, no Zach Levine in this game. He is uh, too afraid to play against too us. Too afraid to, uh, yeah, has too many bad memories of Target Center, so didn't want to give it to go. Still hears the voice, the bellowing voice mm. of one Tom Thibodeau. I'm sure he met up with his group of deaf kids that he uh, oh, mentored so. when yeah. he was here. I'm sure yeah, they were at the game com- or something. Community event stuff. Uh, Wolves down early in this one, but man, the the you know this is kind of the new the new normal for them is the Wolves defense is terrible, but they hit so many threes that they're hanging in there, right? And they feel like this kind of you know the Wolves defense wasn't too bad in this game actually, but uh, yeah, it was the threes that were really keeping them keeping them around. I think they hit uh, four in a row at one point uh, to kind of get back into things here and. And another thing I thought was interesting in this game is Chicago is similarly undersized, yeah. right? They don't have any guys who are, you know, behemoths out there, really. So it didn't feel like the Wolves were at too much of a uh, disadvantage. And, and actually, really- they out-rebounded Chicago in this game, I think, right? right yeah. yeah. It, uh, I made note that it was the last two games, Pelicans and Chicago, really good rebounding efforts. And mm-hmm. that's been something really poor. Uh, for us, obviously, since the trade deadline, we've been so undersized and kind of all season. Uh, but it was also back to back, really solid games by Jarrett Culver. I thought, you know, yeah. just keeping it simple, not trying to do too much. I think he's trying to figure out who he is, what his identity still is, because the games where he stinks is when he's trying to do too much. But when he plays within himself and just keeps things simple, man, he could have some impressive games, well, especially role, against Chicago. His roles changed a lot. Yeah, you know, he's gone from starting, you know, coming off the bench to starting, and now back on the bench and point guard. You know, now he's yeah. playing like small forward. You yeah, know? so that's really hard, I think, to. Not have that consistency in your rookie year, so definitely, uh, definitely good to see. He's been hitting some shots, you know, the three balls going in a little bit more recently. So also, I mean, a, a, a great week. When Josh Okogi dunks the basketball, the force is with him. Man, playing great defense, hitting his three-point shots, putting in the rebounding above his uh, size. The rebounding is really the notable, you know, sort of new. Newish thing. Yeah. This season overall, but especially in the last few months, yeah, the offensive rebound crashing in for 
for dunks, put back tip dunks and stuff. That's that's really special. I mean, he started the season kind of battling some injuries, but it just looked like he didn't improve at all over the offseason. He said maybe he played too much uh, Nigerian basketball, you ah, know. But yep. it, these last few weeks, it's been like, okay, this feels like a year two Josh Akogi. That's getting me excited to see what could happen in year three for him. Uh, Wolves were down at halftime, but uh, unlike uh, you know, unlike that game uh, against Dallas, they came out. The halftime uh, locker room and and really uh, you know that kind of propelled them throughout the rest of the game. Also there. a rare occurrence. Yeah, yeah. So Wolves kind of had it felt like a pretty comfortable lead for most of the second half. Kind of a ten point, you know, eleven point, twelve point sort of advantage, and they were kind of able to hang on to that. Bulls didn't really play quite as well in the second half, so. Yeah. It's kind of their game there. They cut it down to like four points, but they never really retook the lead, you know? Yeah, yeah. Every was, time they would get close, we would go on a small run. Yeah, so that was kind of good to see as well. It was just like, all right, we're going to hang on to this lead here in the second half. But, uh, yeah, anything else on any of these games, Scott? Uh, we had some good ones. I'm pretty sure that Jordan McLaughlin could dribble through a keyhole. He was great. Great yeah, week for Jordan Jay Mack. was great. Nas was great. Two young guys that are playing well. That's what you like to see. I mean, that's what we're talking about last week. What to look for, you know, sort of in the end of the season. And, you know, those performances by by Jordan and Nas, you know, are, are part of that, you know. And justifiably, a lot of people on Timberwolves Reddit, shout out to our Timberwolves, r slash Timberwolves, they are like, oh, man, we got to sign this J-Mac guy. We got to sign him. But here's the thing that I was thinking of, especially watching Colby White, who is a guy you wanted yeah. to draft. You yeah, really yeah, wish yeah. we got him instead of Culver. And he yeah. had a great shooting night. Some of the shots he made are so difficult. Like, <laughs> yeah. he takes some crazy For shots. A small guy, yeah. And, yeah, he's, like, leading all rookies and three-pointers made and stuff. So, wow. like, he's a scorer, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The reason why we didn't draft him, the reason why we didn't keep Tyus is because I think Rosas believes backup point guard is something that you can find. Yeah. You can just find There's backup point guard. There, yeah. in, in case in point, Jordan McLaughlin, we found him. And so even if the Wolves don't end up signing him, it's probably because Rosas believes we'll just find another one. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think they hopefully will be able to, you know, get something. You, know, probably you would think it wouldn't take very deal. much yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully they can figure out something there. All right, let's get to full corpus. Here's the tip. <laughs> All right, we want to start off full court press today talking about uh, Alan Crab. Cool is, breeze. He is cool breeze. AC. That's right. AC. Wow. Felt, feels like forever ago, but it really wasn't. Right? It was like in December they traded. This is what you get for taking Ricky Rubio's number. Yeah. You know. Okay. It, yeah. You're just you're not going to be long for the target center. Mo- moving on from you. So yeah, uh, Alan Crab waved by the team. Uh, he is uh, yeah, acquired in the yeah Jeff uh, Jeff Teague. Uh, Travion Graham. Ooh, Travion. Um, yeah, that happened before Christmas, right? What a I think season it was it's like, been. Was it in the middle of December? When Remember that, when the months happened? we spent talking about Travion Graham? Yeah. yeah it was, I think it was January. Yeah. But yeah it was yeah. well ahead of the trade deadline. So it's, it feels like it's been, it happened a long time ago, but really, it really wasn't. Uh, apparently, uh, Alan Crabb only played in nine of the possible 18 games that he was around for, averaged three points. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'd been away from the team for a little while for personal reasons. Who knows what that is? Uh, you know, it's some emergency, or or if it was, um, you know, sort of related to the waving, like, hey, you know, go on your way, don't yeah. worry, we'll take care of this, you know, peace type of thing. Um, and we'll see if he can still uh, sign within their he get he can still sign within their team uh, for the playoffs here. But we'll see if anybody does pick him up. I suppose injuries and stuff like that. They can keep play. him as like the fifteenth man man on the bench. Yeah. Maybe plays a minute in a blowout game in the playoffs, but no one's going to play him actual minutes with how poorly yeah. he's played. And hopefully, it's just an injury, and he'll be back to form next. 
next season because yeah. this season he's looked wow. Yeah, sometimes that stuff's hard because you would even say you would say that of a guy like James Johnson earlier in the season, but it's like yeah. he ch- gets well, a change of scenery and gets to play over some here. Some of that was James Johnson didn't hit the ridiculous one percent body fat thing that you have to have when you oh, play yeah. for the Miami Heat. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys. He didn't meet shape. the team's conditioning standards, and yes. they have a re- the most ridiculous conditioning standards, which is why everyone in Heat jersey looks chiseled, looks great. like hell, because <laughs> they look like they're carved out of marble yeah. because of those those conditioning standards. That's right. Um, but yeah, Alan Crabb. Uh, so another interesting thing here is the Wolves are, are one of only four teams currently paying the luxury tax in the league right now. And the Wolves are just barely over. And um, they did uh, get that their luxury tax number down a little bit with this Alan Crabb waving. He left um, a little bit on the table um, of his final uh, millions that he gets uh, for this last season, his contract. Uh, seems like uh, the Wolves are still over, though, right? They didn't get all the way under. They didn't get him to take little enough that they will, or uh, yeah, little enough that they would, they would get under the luxury tax. But it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. I mean, you don't want to pay the luxury tax if you're not making the playoffs generally. Right. But this year is such a weird year where only four teams are paying in that you're not you know you're not missing out on the huge payout right by the rest right. of the team because there's only like a handful of teams who are actually going to be putting money in. So the reason why you want to be under is so you can get your cut right. All right. the money gets cut up between the rest of the teams who did not go into luxury tax. But that number is going to be crazy low this year. The so. weird thing for me was that nothing happened on the Evan Turner front. What's yeah, happening? Still, We're not buying still, him out, but yet he's not going to play for us. Like yeah, he's still in like the like injury report, right? Yeah, like not and it's with like. It's, it's like, like they too, have to list him technically. It, and now it's too late for him to join a playoff team. So it's just like, what is going on there? Because that seems yeah. like a failure in negotiations because there has to be some way that we could have gotten him what he wanted, which is presumably to sign with the playoff team and get what we wanted, which is like the extra couple hundred thousand dollars we are over the luxury tax yeah. to get under that. So it's very strange. I would like to hear the inside scoop from John Kay or Dookie. Well, and later. we know he was working out for their team, so it must have been a situation where he nobody just wanted him. Nobody really wanted him. Otherwise, he probably would have asked out and he would have, you know, taken a haircut on the on the on the salary so he could get out or something. Yeah. So. It must just be kind of like what we're saying for Alan Crabb of like there's not many, you know, there's not many you know buyers out there for him really. I guess the only thing that I have to say about the Alan Crabb thing is do you feel disappointed about our return for Jeff Teague, Travion Graham? I mean it's just gonna end I up would, being a dump. I would like I would debate dump. whether they were an asset. Some people feel like an no. expiring contract was an asset. I don't think it was that much of an asset. No. Yeah, I think yeah, I guess if you would have told me when this happened that this would have been the way it goes, I would have been disappointed. But in the meantime, like all the things that have happened since then, yeah. you know, all the movement, it's like this isn't that big of a deal and Jeff Teague is, you know, backing up in Atlanta and, you know, gets to Gets to go in his way, so whatever. You know, I think we won the trade by not having to watch Jeff T continue go. to play yeah. for this franchise. Yeah, that's that was the biggest yeah, addition by subtraction sort of situation here uh, with that trade. Uh, yeah, anything else on Alan Crab? I guess we'll always remember him as uh, as Cool Breeze. That's right. <laughs> I'll always remember the days. He's hitting up. All right, let's get into this one here. Uh, we want to talk about Ryan Saunders and the job he's done this year. We'll be dripping it up uh, throughout our conversation here. You know, just random drips. Shout to my dog, Rhino. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but, yes, Ryan Saunders. He has been the Timberwolves head coach for well, like a season and a half, I guess I could say right now. Yeah. A season and a quarter right now. He has coached 102 
games as the head coach, and his record is 35 and 67. That is a uh, three uh, three forty three number. What would you 34 say? Thirty four percent winning uh, percentage, yeah. which mirrors very closely the Tim Rolls franchise winning percentage ah, all just time. Perfect, just fits in perfect. <laughs> He's just the perfect guy for the job. That's right. Uh, Meant to be. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he, you know, we basically just want to talk about the job he's done so far and sort of what the team does going forward and, you know, looking at, you know, what's next for the team because, you know, obviously they've made a lot of roster changes. Right. And, you know, that is uh, so Rosas has kind of put his imprint on the team a little bit that way. With many more changes still to come. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it just is something that we should talk about a little bit here of, you know, what do we think is going to happen? What do we want to happen as far as Ryan Saunders go? Because, Technically, and you know, sort of like what has happened on the floor and what has happened, you know, in, in, in the stats and the box scores, basically none of it's good, right? You can't really look at any sort of statistical or win loss or any sort of thing like that and say, like, this is this free, is great, <laughs> free of context. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The numbers are very damning, and that's yeah, statistics are fun, and that's what sort of makes this an interesting conversation or a complicated conversation is that there are a lot of other moving parts going on here. I think, like, if you're looking at this from afar, you can just say, oh, that's that's not a good coach. Like, get a better coach. Yeah. Like, that's sort of like the simple way to look at it. He's only in the league because of his father. Right. The nepotism thing is very real. I mean, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not inaccurate. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it does seem short-sighted to just look at it that way. So we kind of want to talk about, you know, sort of how we feel about it and, and what we think is possible and what we'd like to see happen. Obviously, they need a better coach. But the question is, can Ryan become that better coach, I think, is is maybe if you're arguing that Ryan should keep the job for next year, the idea would be he can continue to grow with the team and he now has a better team for his system and that next year everything will be better because of this. Let me ask this, Neil. What would be your number one reason for arguing that Ryan should stay? Basically that he has never had the materials to succeed and that the losses and everything we've experienced so far basically is just not relevant to any anything else. Like, the first half of the season, he was running yeah. a system that he did not have the players for. Yep. And once he finally got those players, Towns has been out. Yeah. So show me an NBA coach who would have had a winning record with the roster personnel and the system we were running in the first half of the season. And then show me a coach who will get a brand new team at the trade deadline, yeah. you know, almost an entirely new roster and not have his best player and then have to get wins, you know? Yeah. And, and to me, it's yeah, if you, ju- you can't just look at the wins and losses. You know, I think that's important to look at and sort of notable. But to me, my biggest criticisms of the job Ryan has done kind of just comes into not even winning or losing or just sort of like how it's all gone. Like, to me, there's no... I guess since the trade deadline, it's been a little bit worse, but the team should be better defensively. Like, now that you have D'Angelo Russell, maybe not, but... I just felt well, like and I'm know. not saying good defensively. I'm just saying like they should be they should be better than basically I just think that they they have underachieved in almost every single way this year. Again, even with the expectations of not being that good, like still thought they'd be a little bit middle of the road and underneath that. But I just I, I feel myself being disappointed at just about every juncture when it comes to, you know, the job that Ryan's done and the way that 
there just seems to be no flexibility, no creativity, no we're going to try something out of the box here. They've been so rigid with the system and so dialed into that, which in some ways is commendable. It's like, yeah, you have this system, you're going to go with it. But on the other hand, it's like when the losses are piling up, like, can we see a little bit of something different? Can we see what sort of improvisational skills you have here as a coach? Well, I would argue that that we've seen a little improv. We've seen Mm -hmm. him start trusting Jordan McLaughlin with big fourth quarter minutes. A lot of coaches wouldn't do that for a rookie from the G League who's Mm -hmm. on a two-way contract, you know? We've seen him, uh, you know, obviously play James Johnson as the backup center. You know, I feel like some coaches wouldn't have the courage to do that, but that's worked remarkably well. So I think we have seen a little more creativity than none at all. But I agree with you. He he has seemed weirdly unflexible. I don't know how much of that is him and how much of that is uh, Rosas telling him he has to run a system. And when it comes to the defensive shortcomings, I, for one, would argue, what do you expect from a brand new team of guys with no training camp? Defense is something that even more than offense is chemistry based and knowing the guys and getting the reps in. So I'm not especially with, you know, obviously our defensive personnel got worse because just a true talent level, Mm -hmm. D'Angelo and Malik are are worse defenders than Gorgie and Rocco. Yes. But I just feel like it's tough to expect them to be, you know, I guess my argument was it's tough to expect them to be a top 20 defense. I guess your argument would be, yeah, but they could be better than very last. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm more critical of the first half of the season as far as defense with Covington and Jang and stuff. Here's the question. Is that Ryan's fault or is it David Vanterpool's or is it Carl Anthony Towns? Because when Carl Anthony Towns wasn't playing we had one of the best defenses in the league i think everyone's to blame but i think the vanterpool part is hard that is that is something that he's obviously very heralded as very good at you know these concepts and stuff like that but i think even if it's even if we want to blame the staff even if they want to blame the staff ultimately to me that stuff ends with ryan you know it's like the Milwaukee Bucks stops here. Staff. <laughs> there you go. Let's get to some of the pros well, and cons, though, Scott. Let's talk about the pros. What are the? What are I want to tell you, yeah, because you've told me what your strongest argument is for keeping yeah. him. What I feel like is the thing I'm most worried about is just like Towns has played here. What is this his fifth season? Yeah, he's had four different coaches. I think so. Yeah, he's had uh, Sam Mitchell. He's had Tom Thibodeau. He's had Ryan Saunders. He wasn't here for Flip. So I guess okay. uh, three different coaches that right. I just named right there. Flip drafted him, but then passed. Yeah. yeah. And so he's had three different coaches in five years. It's really hard for players when they're learning a new system. Like Towns is a really good player. Think about how much greater he would be if he didn't have to learn a brand new system every every you know 90 games he plays. Because every coach comes in with a whole new way of doing things, their own way of doing things. You have to learn it all over again. you got to start building the trust. So the continuity is the thing that I would argue is in favor of keeping Ryan is, you know, we're never going to be successful if we have a new coach every season. So instead of just trying to rotate and find the guy who can magically make it all work in one season, maybe we should give a chance for the continuity to do its magic. I wonder, yeah, and obviously that's not something the Timberwolves have basically ever had other than Flip, flip, you know, and so it's like hard for us as Wolves fans to kind of look at that and sort of like kind of understand what it looks like. Like, do we, would we know it when we see it? It's not even entirely a Wolves problem. This whole league fires coaches. The coach is always the easiest person to blame. So he's always the person who gets fired first. Money doesn't count for the salary cap. You can can eat the cash. So it is a a, uh, kill or be killed league for coaches. We saw the Cavs, not only David Blatt, but they they fired their coach after like 50 games. So I do think they kind of end up being the scapegoat. So maybe it's not that weird that we've had so many coaches. I mean, I'm sure most NBA teams that aren't successful go through coaches pretty often. But it's just something I've been thinking about. I I just feel like... Like I, I want more signs that like Ryan is the guy. And I just even though the roster hasn't been there, I feel like, yeah, even though it's hard to know without continuity who the guy is, I feel like 
there should be some spark. There should be some like idea. Like the thing about obviously Brad Stevens is kind of the guy you point to as like the young coach that kind of made her Quinn Snyder or something. I feel like those guys, there's certain guys who come in and it's just like they have something or something works instantly that it's just like, oh yeah, this is going to be something. And I just haven't really seen that with Ryan yet, you know? And it is hard to sort of like want to cut bait on yet another coach. Like it is yeah. hard. Like I'm generally, genuinely conflicted about that of like, why don't we just let it ride? We've never done that before. Just like let it, let it try out. But it's like really hard when it's like the clock's ticking on towns, you know? It's like, damn. Like, maybe this is, uh, you know, in Ryan's favor or maybe it's against him. But I I agree with you that if you ask me like, what is uh, Ryan Saunders style we can't say because it seems like he's running Vanderpool's defense he's running an offense that Rosas dictated to yeah. him so if the offense works or doesn't work we blame it on Rosas if the defense works or doesn't I mean I guess we just talked about that yeah but it just seems like he's a figurehead it, you know he's just kind of there to hold the position and make sure everyone's vision gets communicated to the player so he's more of an intermediary mm-hmm. which doesn't give you that strong personality that you want out of a coach necessarily yeah um, other pros besides you know other reasons to keep Ryan besides content continuity um obviously respect within the locker room you know players seem to like him they all you know good friends with with towns and okogi hearing stories about how uh, him and d'angelo text each other late at night about film because d'angelo is always watching game tape yeah i mean he's still the youngest head coach in the league so you're still going to get that sort of like closeness of like age and all that stuff and he identifies how many rookies have we had this season j mac keelan uh you know Nas, jalen culver he seems to get these guys yeah he knows them all well and all that stuff but Um, i think the biggest con that i'm worried about is do we have the time to invest years in yeah. his improvement because Cat yeah. and D'Angelo seem to be on kind of like a, we have them for the next three years. We kind of have a three year window for them. And so it's like, you know, if you, if you're going to give him an extra season, then you decide it doesn't work. Then you only have two year window for the yeah. new coach to come in and implement something. It's already a short order to have a new coach come in and only have three seasons to make it work. Uh, so if we are willing to give Ryan the benefit of the doubt, and then we have another terrible season where it's just clear, then we're really, you know, yeah. making it almost impossible for that window to work for us. So before we get to tattoos, let's wrap this segment up by predicting what we think will happen. Not what should happen, right? We kind of laid out, you know, kind of how we feel about that. I, at the end of the day, I think they do need to move on from him. I think they should move on from him this summer. Do you I think, think it happens, though? That's the question the you question just asked. Is, do they think? Yeah. Do, what will happen? What will happen? And is the I think... I think it will happen because I got to believe that some part of Ryan being here still for this season was, yes, dictated by Glenn, dictated from above Rosas, and that the idea was give him a year. You know what I mean? And I just don't think that this year, plus the chain, a little bit of games he worked the previous year when he was named interim, you know, head coach. I don't think there's enough there. It's enough sample, but I don't think that Rosas will have seen enough to say this is the guy for Towns and Russell's prime, which is coming up right now. And I think he will. I don't know who that's going to be. It might be someone who gets fired. I do think Dan Tony coming through that door is definitely a possibility if things don't go right in Houston. So I don't know who it'll be, but I think there's some veteran coach who's just a little more safe and a little bit more respectable, and and I think they're going to go through with that this summer just because I don't – and, again, it won't be so much about the post-trade deadline stuff. A lot of that's excusable. How do you put together a good defense in that time? But I just think the overall mix is going to point Rosas and the fact that he's a new GM. He's, you got this gig. Fine. One year, Ryan. 
And I don't know. It's hard because they've been saying all the right things of it being about Rosas and Saunders together. So I don't know. It, it's it's a hard one to call, but I ultimately do think there's like a sixty percent chance that they will pull the trigger on him and he'll be out. Sixty. Let's I think like 60. it's like eighty percent. Okay, so you think uh, it's more likely? Yeah. I think it's definitely happening. Okay. This is a Paul, okay. Paul Molitor situation. The new Twins yeah, GMs yeah, came in, and the owner said you got to keep Paul Molitor. So he stayed around for a year, and then they canned him and hired Rocco Baldelli, okay. who immediately won AL Manager of the Year in his wow. first season. Wow. And that's just it. The new region always wants to bring in their old guy and similarly Glenn Taylor dictated you can bring in everyone you want but Ryan is going to stay the coach yeah and so I think they were open-minded to the fact that if we had a great season sure maybe we can continue with Ryan and even though it's not Ryan's fault that he had to have a bad roster that didn't fit the system and then he had all these injuries to deal with right. I feel like that it's just it too bad for you Ryan yeah. because you needed to really show something above way above expectations to keep your job and the new regime has a guy in mind and you know they want to bring him in so i would say that unfortunately uh the faucet is running out of water <laughs> that's how you put it yeah. the faucet be dripping all right we'll see what happens we'll keep uh, tabs on this i'm sure there'll be some uh, rumblings as the season goes on and even after the season we'll see how it goes one more thing to get to here full court press he's on fire we got new players on the team and they have ink on their bodies we got to talk about some of the new tattoos yeah we're big fans of tattoos on this podcast we famously made the nikola pekovich executioner uh tattoo shirt and neil you have a full robust uh, sleeve on your left oh, arm. oh yeah i love a tattoo nothing on your right though that's that's strictly for buckets yeah i think i'm gonna keep swaggy it that P way okay yeah swaggy p was the originator of that uh, quote but we want to talk about obviously uh, we want to start with d'angelo russell we're going to mainly talk about some of his tattoos because this is how you know a person you know what i mean no. like tattoos some people are like oh yeah i want to get some uh, cool artwork on me but some people are like this is the stuff that matters the most in my life so yeah. you know you can learn a lot about the stuff that people put on their bodies permanently in ink and that's what we're gonna do right now with D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo came into the league, he only had like one tattoo. In four wow. short years, he's really just, you know, or, or you know, five years now. So he's the, really gotten his entire entire body. The aged. tattoo that sticks out to me the most is on his left shoulder. It is sort of the digital readout, like digital clock style N-O-W. That's With the on colon. There. There's a colon, the colon after the end, yeah. so it looks like a digital clock reading. Yeah. Scott, what can you tell us about the, about this tattoo here? This is one of his most popular ones. I okay. did some research today. A lot of people like this. Yeah. It looks like you're reading a digital clock, yes. and so it says now. So the implication is the time is now, Neil. The time is now. The time is now. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, that, that one's very uh, very prominent. He does have like the shooting sleeve on that left arm as well. I think, I think it's covering up a tattoo that he's trying to cover up, actually. Ooh, like he's trying to get work on to cover up? Like, yep, okay. because, okay, so his left arm has got a lot of stuff on it. One of them is a young scientist tattoo. It says young scientist, and then it has like yeah, a cartoon that. monster that is a very stunned, uh, stoned-looking one-eyed monster with horns. <laughs> it's a really dumb face. And so wow. I've seen photos of it where it's the full monster, but I've seen some other photos that are hard to find because he wears his shooting sleeve all the time, where it looks like he's covering up that monster face with an Ohio State O block logo. Oh, I see. So you think that this is currently being covered up. Yeah, I yeah, think that he's covering that, that one up. Thing. It says young scientist, though, which is kind of funny. And then yeah. right by the young scientist, there's a... Uh, taking up most of his left shoulder is an interstate hourglass. So the, it's an hourglass with a clock reading around it. It's like Roman numerals around, uh, you know, the hourglass. And then uh, right next to it is an interstate sign. It looks like, you know, the I-94 sure. kind of interstate sign. But I haven't seen what's below the word interstate or if it's just a sign that says interstate. But, hey, for a guy who has traveled as much as he has in his NBA career, I'm not surprised that he has something on the interstate. Scott, what's your favorite D'Angelo Russell tattoo? Like, which of these do you like the most as far as just, like, kind of looking at it, you know? We got we got Bob Marley. We got, like, a checkerboard 
type thing. Got a big mouth, kind of kind of smiling. We got what looks like to be a child's like foot, like a footprint or some sort of footprint. We got the we got the triangle with the eye in it. Yeah, Illuminati. Well, let me break some of this down for yeah, you. Yeah, which one would you like? What you like? I mean, my favorite one might be on his left leg. He's got the red Jordan ones. He oh. has a uh, he has a tattoo on the outer side of his left leg that has the Jordan ones, the red ones. Nice. You know that Miles Morales wears in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, and that's one of his oldest ones. He's had that in college, actually. Um, but can I just run down some tattoos for you, Neil? Yeah, some D low. I'm gonna go by appendage. Number one. He has the number 230 on his right wrist. Shades of Ricky Rubio. He's not telling us what it means. So we don't know what hashtag 230 is, or number 230. Is it a hashtag? On his, on I, I mean, it's got like the num- the numeral pound oh, sign. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it has the hashtag yeah, symbol. Like area code or something? It's a Florida area code where he's played basketball in high school. So that could be a reference. On his wrists, he has the yin-yang symbols. Uh, yeah. One on each wrist, representing yeah, yeah. balance of things. Does he have anything for the, uh, as the, you know, the ice in my veins, like type a thing he does you know what i mean like i got ice in my veins that's like mm-hmm. his nothing for that yeah yeah you think if, that, uh, if that's like your thing you his know? right arm also has on the inside of his right arm that it looks really cool it's a checkered pattern it looks like a checkered floor like a chessboard floor and then there's a giant laughing mouth i don't scary it's like it, it's, it's a very like scary mouth horrors like stuff right and so i haven't heard any explanation about that farther down on his right arm he has his god area he has one a uh, quote from john eight thirty one. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right next to that is a pyramid with an eye, kind of the Illuminati all-seeing eye, but that could also represent the eye of God. And then right next to it, he has his favorite tattoo, which is a footprint with the words, "Guide God guide my step on it. He told, uh, I forget, it was NBC, I think, he told when he was asked about his favorite name, he said that as a child, he collected images from old slam magazines and that that was the, he saw that one and he said, I always want that. He th- it stuck through him with him through grade school, through middle school, and he always thought, when I get my first tattoo, that's what it's going to be. God guide my wow. step. Wow, usually when I see like the footprint or handprint, I think it's like a baby or something. Like right. Ba- like it's their first child or something, but no, that's not the case here. On both forearms, any negative space has been filled up with stars, which kind of has a cool look to it. Some of them are dark, some of them are just the outline. We got stars. And then on his right hand, there's a couple portraits, a couple characters on uh, Russell's arms. On his right arm, very notably, is a giant Bob Marley, who is right right next to Bob Marley is Jason's mask from like Jason Friday the 13th, Jason. Yeah, Voorhees, exactly. So that's kind of interesting. I I do like, actually, here's something for ice in your veins. He has some script on his right shoulder that looks like small cursive script. No one, I haven't seen an explanation of what it says, but on top of that script, and there's also a rose there, on top of that script is some Chinese symbols. Of course, the joke is always they could put anything down and you wouldn't know what it would say. But the speculation is that the translation translates to ice in my veins. Ah. I hope so. Uh, the left side of his body, we went through the now, we went through the uh, you know the young scientist, the hourglass. But he also on his left forearm has a large, prominent Louisville tattoo, his hometown. It's Louisville, and the letters are made out of different things. Like the O is a basketball, one of the eyes is a bullet, one of the other eyes is dotted with a, like an eyeball. And he has uh, cool. buildings from the skyline are the L's. And then it's all underscored with a long pencil. So that's a, one of his more prominent ones. And then on his right leg, uh, he has on his right knee, there's a really cool roaring tiger. And right next to that on his like lower leg is Muhammad Ali, which he got when uh, Muhammad Ali died. Because Muhammad Ali farmed Louisville and also went to Russell's High School. Oh, there we go. So there's the connection there. So that's all, all the ones I want to talk about, except for his chat t- chest tattoo. He has a quote from C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The of quote course. is... The next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. Aha. 
Be around them. So those be around wise people. Then there's some more stuff. Maybe we'll link in the show notes to yeah. some of them. But I think you know I don't want to go into every single one. But there's those are lot. some of the highlights. So you'll know what you're seeing when you're looking at all those tattoos. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, check out his tattoos. Let us know which ones you like. And then also we have a couple other tattoo guys. Wancho has a very impressive. Wancho's got a lot going on. He's it got some seems, cool chest stuff poking out on the other arm too. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he's uh, has, a lot of this is recent. Looking up just some photos recently of him, and it seems like the one arm was done in past years, but now he's got like the chest, the chest, and the it kind of creeps into his left arm now on the shoulder. You see it peeking out of the jersey on the other side. I feel like that's all new. Very, it looks like some sort of pat, some sort of pattern, or some sort of I don't know what that is because it, it's really all over. Yeah, the pattern is on his like lower neck and on his chest but then also on the right arm as well uh must be something from his heritage or some sort of maybe from his home you know home country or something like that some sort of pattern that's important to him that's a really cool look otherwise he very uh sort of you know abstract right just sort of like yeah cool designs yeah patterns and sort of he uh, also has the triangle with the eye the all-seeing eye on his shoulder right wow yeah so that makes two timberwolves players with the triangle and the eye but yeah, his his are more sort of yeah, more maybe artistic in a way, more sure. sort of you know yeah. There's not like it's speci- a cool looking sleeve, specific thing. It looks really cool, like yeah, nice big black lines. Um, so yeah, but we got to learn more about what if you know anything that. about yeah, we need to know link more. us to that article because we we could not find much when we were searching. And then James, we all saw him give his post game interview shirtless Amazing. to Marnie. Amazing. That man is covered with he, ink. He, he looks like an art shirtless. museum. I mean, obviously, as we said, he's got that he's got that body fat uh, BMI uh, in his contract. So yeah. he's got to have that. But yeah, he walked around the shirt all times. And wow, he's got a whole. If like, I spent scene. that much money on my art on my chest i yeah. would also take my shirt off more often. yeah so he's got the whole scene on his chest uh happening it looks like one big piece and then a lot going on in the arms as well he might be most famous for his neck tattoos right yeah so they had the it says we talked about this last week the naaman is the name of his son who was born six weeks early okay, that's what's on his neck naaman and then the date three nine 13 when okay. his son was born that right there, yeah. so uh that's one of the few explanations we've seen he also apparently has a samoan tattoo on his calf because uh, his mom, V. Johnson, is from Leon, Samoa. There so, you go. Uh, he, and apparently that impressed our the New Zealand Kiwi, uh, Stephen Adams, was impressed ah, there you by go. that. So, um, he's got a ton of tattoos. I also couldn't find a lot of explanation. So, if you see something, let us know. We would love to learn more. All right. Uh, yeah, tattoos. Always fun to track uh, what those guys have going on. Right now, before the show continues, we have to get to our sponsor. Uh, Scott, uh, today we have we have an incredible sponsor. We have uh, new players on the team, as we've been saying, and as we mentioned, uh, D'Angelo Russell. You know, he's got got a bunch of tattoos, but he also has a product uh, to offer us today uh, here uh, for our sponsor. Scott, why don't you get us going? Sure. You know, if you know Neil and I, you know we are big fans of technology. Neil always has to have the cutting edge Apple products. So today we're thrilled to tell you about D'Angelo Russell's newest venture, the Deloading Basketball Router. Tired of streaming grainy and choppy visuals when you're watching the NBA online? Upgrade your League Pass experience with the ultra-fast D-Loading Basketball Router. Its speedy 60 gigahertz throughput will bring you latency smoother than D'Angelo's jump shot. And if your internet connection ever needs to buffer, the D-Lo... Should I say BR or Basketball D- Router? I, I just said D-Lo BR. And if your internet connection ever needs to buffer, the DLO BR will automatically stream preloaded packages of Russell highlights. 
like traded players on a new team, the D-Loading Basketball Router features an easy plug-and-play installation. You don't even need to read the instructions. Light years ahead of the wireless internet competition, you'll be investing in your future, like Gerson Rosas did at this year's trade deadline. Configure to support high-speed online gaming, whether you're playing Fortnite or NBA 2K, instead of sleeping the night before an important game, the DLO BR will ensure that the only lagging you'll experience is from your tired body during the fourth quarter of the following night's NBA game. With D'Angelo's newest networking device on your side, your unnecessary second career as a professional Twitch streamer will take off like the Wolves opponent when they see the team's terrible transition defense. So the next time you need to add some pace to your internet fast break, check out the D-Loading Basketball Router. Thank you to D'Angelo Russell for his support of Wolvescast. Up next, let's get to Fan Fiction. What if KG ran an ice cream shop? It's fan fiction, frickin' fan fiction. What does Wiggins get when he hits the co-op? It's fan fiction, frickin' fan fiction. What if Rubio got lost in a zoo? It's fan fiction, frickin' fan fiction. What if Glenn Taylor got a sick tattoo? It's fan fiction, frickin' fan fiction. All right, everybody, you know how fan fiction works. We're all on the internet. We write stories, you know? Sometimes there's just not enough Timberwolves content, uh, you know, as much as, as we try to fill the internet with that. So many great podcasts. How do we have time in our lives to listen to all the great content that we want to get done? Yeah, sometimes you got to write your own content. That's right. So I've got a story it. here. It, my story is called A Place to Call Home. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Here we go. D'Angelo Russell was looking for a place to call home. When people asked him where he was from, he had to think about the question. Louisville was where he was born and raised, but he hadn't lived there since his freshman year of high school. After that, he transferred to a stronger basketball program in Montverde, Florida. Those years were fun. He played with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and won back-to-back high school national tournament championships. But that was followed by a whirlwind year in Columbus, Ohio, where he was the Big Ten Freshman of the Year and Jerry West Award winner before becoming the second pick in the NBA draft. D'Angelo thought Los Angeles was going to be his home, but the start to his NBA career had been rocky. He never got the attention he deserved as a rookie, but he understood that. It was Kobe Bryant's final season, and the Black Mamba deserved the spotlight. He was ready to make his breakthrough the following season, ready to become the best player on the NBA's most popular team. But he learned a hard lesson after making the worst mistake of his career. Never tweet. His teammate Nick Young, Swaggy P, a figure who NBA Twitter had clowned on for years, was cheating on one of the biggest pop stars in the country, but he was the villain? D'Angelo? He was only 20 years old, and yet he became persona non grata in the NBA. He lost the respect of his peers. Even his fellow Laker teammates wouldn't talk to him. When Magic Johnson traded him to Brooklyn the following year, he poured salt in the wound by further burying his already rock-bottom reputation. What do you do when a basketball icon and Hall of Famer says you aren't a leader, that you can't make other players better? It's hard to shake a reputation once you've been labeled. But Brooklyn has always been a haven for reinvention. The Nets had rebranded themselves when they moved to the borough, and D'Angelo tried to do the same. He became a vocal leader for the young Nets, making sure to take younger players under his wing so their transition to the NBA wouldn't be as painful and perilous as his own. Brooklyn was his style, both figuratively and aesthetically. Placing his demons behind him, D'Angelo led his team to the postseason for the first time in his career, playing in his first All-Star game along the way. He could once again see rays of light poking through the gloomy overcast that hovered over his future. But maybe D'Angelo wasn't meant to have a home. Maybe he'd be a nomad all his life. Because just as he found a place where he fit, that comfort was ripped away from him. 
he was traded to the Golden State Warriors and moved across the country for the second time of his professional career. He was tired. Most of his stuff was still in storage. Even making $27 million a year, he couldn't find an affordable place to live in San Francisco. Every night after the game, he would scour Craigslist, searching for a venture capitalist or web developer who would be interested in being his roommate. In his soul, he could already sense that the rapidly gentrifying Bay Area would never feel truly like home. Lonely and missing his best friend, Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker, he began to wonder if he would ever find a place where he belongs. He woke up on the morning of February 6th in despair. Sure, he had ice in his veins, but does that, does that mean he was doomed for it to fill his heart as well? He dragged himself out of bed and prepared to slog through another day in the bay when his phone suddenly rang. It was his agent. Maybe, he thought, just maybe, he'd finally find what he was looking for. Ooh. Wow, meaningful right there. Wow, the lost soul. Still, That's right. Still searching to find his That's way. Right. He's got that interstate tattoo. He hasn't had a place to call home. He's just trying to find a place to settle down, and hopefully he's found it here in Minnesota. Wow, that was deep. I feel like you, you looked into some, some very real things there. Some very. Uh, I gave yeah. you a history, it's a true history, and a fake story. Wow, very heavy. All right, well, uh, mine's mine's a little bit different. It's about uh, it's about Malik Beasley. Also, uh, I guess we should say that our our sort of idea about uh, this fan fiction was about the trade deadline. Stories from the deadline. Stories from the deadline. All right, here we go. Minnesota. Wow, Malik Beasley said out loud after reading a text message sent to him by his agent. Malik had been traded. He would be relocating to Minneapolis, land of 10,000 lakes, Malik Beasley thought to himself. He had seen that on a license plate once. After four years in Denver, the only NBA home he had ever known, Malik was headed to Minnesota where he would join the Timberwolves. Later that night in his downtown Denver condo, Malik was busy packing his bags when he got a phone call from an unlisted number. He didn't usually pick up calls like this, but today had just been crazy. He had been traded for the first time in his career and had been receiving calls and messages from friends and family from all over the world. Malik figured this call was likely someone trying to get a hold of him to speak about the day's events. So he accepted the call, raised his phone to his face, and said hello. Hey, is this Malik? Uh, yeah, Malik replied. Yo, son, this is Be Easy. You know, super cool. Yo, we have the same name. You're a Beasley. I'm a Beasley. I've been meaning to holler at you, but never had a good reason. Until now. Mike, wow, it sure is a pleasure to talk to you, Malik responded. Man, I would watch you ball when I was in high school. Lucky lefty. Thanks, young blood, Michael Beasley responded. Listen, you're on your way to Mini, so I thought I'd take this opportunity to connect with you. You're going to have a real good time out there. The team has been bad forever, but the people are nice, and the weather, it's not as cold as everyone says. I think you can handle it. Malik had been thinking about the weather. Sure, Denver was chilly, but he was under the impression that Minneapolis was downright arctic. But one more thing before I let you go, the older Beasley added. There's something I want you to have. Something that will greatly help you take your game to the next level. When you get into Target Center, head into the training room. But instead of getting your ankle taped up or a massage or something, look up at the ceiling. I marked one of the panels. When you see it, reach up into the ceiling and take what's inside. I left something there and I want you to have it. Good luck, Malik. And with that, the line went dead. Malik was kind of stunned. Was this a prank? Was it the real B-Easy? There was only one way to find out. Malik entered Target Center for the first time a few days after being traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. His new team was set to face off against the Los Angeles Clippers in just a few hours. 
he finally had some downtime and decided to follow the directions outlined to him by the voice on the phone claiming to be Michael Beasley. He entered the training room, craned his neck upward, and after only a few moments, spotted a marking on one of the ceiling tiles. It was a tiny MB written in red ink. This had to be the spot. Malik removed the panel, reached up, and found a small satchel. He took his prize back to his new locker room and opened the tiny bag. Malik was shocked to see what was inside. Candy. Not just any candy. Skittles. This is what Michael wanted Malik to find? Junk food left in the ceiling by a former player? A gift was a gift, and Malik did enjoy Skittles. So he popped a handful into his mouth, tossed a satchel in his locker, and suited up for the game. Oh, what a game it was. Malik was unstoppable on the floor as he was placed in the starting lineup for his new team. He hit seven three-pointers on his way to 23 points and also added 10 rebounds and four assists. It wasn't until he was walking off the floor that he remembered the Skittles. As he exited through the tunnel, he said to himself, Thanks, super cool. The end. Wow. I thought uh, when I heard Beasley, I thought he was going to tell Malik about his favorite Twin Cities restaurant. Do you know what that is? Uh, I don't. It's McDonald's. McDonald's. From the legendary, linked in the show notes, do yourself a treat, WCCO interview, five things about Michael Beasley. Every one of those items is more crazy than the last. Wow. The first one is him saying his favorite Twin Cities restaurant, great Great dining place, the Twin Cities. A lot of great nationally, you know, regarded restaurants. He chose McDonald's, and then he listed his McDonald's order. So that's just to intrigue you. Check out the show notes. That's the best thing. He can use that answer in every NBA city. There you go. That's true. <laughs> All right, that's it for uh, fan fiction. Hope you enjoyed our stories. Let's get to weekly Wolfies. Now presenting your weekly. Wolfies. All right, it's Wolfies. We're going to uh, hand out these awards. Scott, I will get us started off here. Um, this week, uh, Dave Benz blessed us on Twitter with something he found. I don't know where he found it. He probably woke up with a manila envelope underneath his door or something like that. He has uh, found a video of a former uh, commercial that uh, his uh, broadcast partner, Jim Peterson, was in in his uh, Golden State Warrior days. Yes, uh, it's it's very amazing. I'm not sure what year it's from, um, but we have the audio here. I'm really glad Dave Benz found it. Uh, Jim Peterson uh, in his playing days, you know, late 80s, early 90s kind of days. And, uh, yeah, here's the commercial. Here's the audio. The Warriors' Jim Peterson on energy. Using energy wisely on the court is just as important as conserving energy in your home or office. Don't waste energy. If you do... You'll lose. Be smart. Protect our precious energy resources. There's never enough to waste. To learn how to save energy and reduce your utility bill, call your local PG&E office or the California Energy Commission. Very soft-spoken Jim Peterson there. Sounds like John Travolta or Baby face, too. Yeah, check it out on yeah, Twitter. Check, well, the link will uh, be in the show notes. I forgot to commend your tweet when we are talking about the Pelicans about future Timberwolf Derek Favors. Hey, Guess we'll have to save that for next so, week when we talk about the Pelicans. Yeah, let's hope he comes to those doors. a fun fit. So, yeah, shout-out to Dave Ben. Shout-out to Jim Peterson. Uh, link in the show notes to see the video clip of that. Scott, shout what you got? Shout-out to Jim Peterson forever. Scott, what you have for uh, Weekly Wolfies this week? All right. Well, I'm going to give my Weekly Wolfie to poet Michael Harvey's 
D'Angelo Russell obsession. Huh. Uh, I worked in public radio. I still do. I've been there for 10 years. And uh, I know that there's not enough sports content on public radio. I've tried to change that myself. Been stymied every time. But the one of the only programs about uh, sports on public radio is WBE, WBUR's Only a Game. Oh. And this story is called The Story of a Poet's Obsession with the NBA's D'Angelo Russell by Martin Kessler. We'll link it. So the poet is named Michael, Michael Harvey. And he had some great quotes. As someone, you if you've listened to the podcast, you know sometimes I relate my own self to the basketball players too much. Yes, Most yes. famously, maybe Andrew Wiggins. Huh. Um, so here's some quotes from him from this article. Most people have some weird little channel inside of themselves into which they pour leftover energies or obsessions. And for some reason, all that stuff in me attached to D'Angelo Russell. I think we can all identify with that. Leftover energies and obsessions. When... He's able to be his creative self and an efficient player. Then I feel, okay, there's a way of existing in normal human society and writing these weird poems on my own. That They can coexist. And this line, which is my favorite, rooting for D'Angelo seems like a vote for art and a vote for imagination and a vote for whimsy. <laughs> so we're going to link that as well as the essay that's linked in there. It's a short essay by the poet Michael Harvey that also has a lot of quotes that resonated with me. I won't read them all here today because we're going a little long in the tooth on this episode. But Neil will link them both in the show notes. And I just I really found it relatable how he was applying so much of his own life and projecting it onto D'Angelo Russell. Wow. Is he still right about Russell? Is it still like a thing or was it like Nets days? This was was uh, like before his all-star season with the Nets. So okay. before yeah. two seasons ago. Okay. Um, and then I didn't have time to look up if he's still on it. But let's, let's get him on the show. He's one of Wolfie, so maybe that'll, that'll <laughs> yeah. bring him back in. But yeah. definitely check out the two pieces linked in the show notes because they're just great. I like whimsy as a word, too. That's a, that's a really good word. He explains why he why he feels like D'Angelo Russell's game is like poetry. Nice. So. Nice. Very, very, very good. All right. That's it for Weekly Wolfies. Time to wrap this thing up. With a game, Scott, what do we have uh, today for the game? What you got for us? Well, you know, we had a little on last week, so I'm going to keep this game simple. Oh, yeah. The answers are going to be Towns or Russell. Easy enough. Our two pillars are here. Be. Franchise, cornerstone, best friends, BFFs. Uh, the answer will either be Towns or Ruff- Russell, or, if you want, both. Oh, both say. is possible. Yep, both is possible. Ooh, okay, that's tricky. All right, Neil, are you ready? Yes, let's get to it. All right, my first question. Who is older? Who who is older? They probably are born with like the, in the same year. I don't know when either of their birthdays are. I think Russell. I guess I will say uh, I'll say Russell. I'll guess Russell. No idea. Mm. Towns, Towns is older by three months. Uh, what if you said both? Uh, <laughs> we would have also gotten the buzz because Towns is older by three months. Three months. Okay. Technically, Towns is November '95 and Russell is mm. February '96, so they weren't even born in the same ah, calendar year. Yeah, okay. But. All right, Neil, next question. Who has scored more career points? Oh, wow. I mean, let's see. Who's played, who scored more? I mean, Towns, I kind of think Towns, he's also played more. I'll go, yeah, this is total points. Yep. Mount total points scored. I'll say Towns, please. Yes. Yes, Cat has 8,113 points for his career. Uh, D'Lo has 5,480. So Cat's like 2,500 points wow. above him. Cool. Also, in other categories like that, like minutes played, Cat is way up. He even has yeah. played more, you know, so. Yeah, just healthier. Yeah, just been healthier. All right, Neil, next question. Who has won more regular season games in their NBA careers? Wow, both and this, have been on pretty bad teams. I will stipulate for this one, Neil. It's games in which they played. So I'm not counting the games that Russell or Cat was too injured to play in. Those wins don't count. Hmm. 
So for games they were healthy enough it to makes play. It harder because yeah, Russell, won. Russell's missed more time due to injury right. over the years. We also played on a playoff team last year, but then Towns played on a playoff team the year before. Uh, it's probably very very close. I'll say uh, I'll say Russell by a hair. I don't blame you because the Timberwolves are synonymous with one big yeah, deal, losses. Yeah, yeah, don't bet on the Wolves. I was losing. shocked to look this up. Cat has won 151 games in wow. games he's played. Oh, I think I say more. No, okay. No, 151 <laughs> games total uh, in games that he's played in the regular season, and Russell has won 107. Oh, if you go into games they didn't play in, just total games that their teams won, the Wolves have won 162 games, and Russell's teams have won 129 games. So either way, Cat either comes way. out on top. Yeah. All right. There's a the Timberwolves. More wins than somebody. Oh, yes. In certain ways. Relish that. (laughs) All right, next question, Neil. Who has won more playoff games? Ooh, Towns just won. Russell, did he win one um, with the Nets? Uh, I don't think they got swept. Or or uh, this is the both answer, right? It's both Towns and Russell. They both won one game. One game, yeah. One game. <laughs> yeah I don't think the Nets uh, It was swept. Nets versus 76ers, and okay. obviously Wolves were against the Rockets, but each one won, so they're tied there. All right, Neil, two more questions. Both have been NBA All-Stars. Both have made NBA All-Rookie teams. Towns made first, Dilo made second. Both were 2014 McDonald's All-Americans. Both were Freshman of the Year and first team of their respective collegiate conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC. While both of them were consensus first-team All-Americans in high school in 2015, one of them made the first team, and one of them made the second team. Who made the first team All-American in high school in 2015? Uh, I will guess... I'll guess Russell in this one, please. Yeah. Got it. It's crazy how they line up with all those honors and stuff. It's yeah, just they're the same age. They're t- no wonder sure, they're friends. Sense, yeah, they've been going to the same pals, competitions yeah. and stuff forever. Yeah, they've been seeing each other's names next to each other forever. All right, now let's get personal with our final question. Who has more siblings? Wow, I don't know. I think Towns only has one or two, I guess. Uh, so it's a matter of, yeah, basically is the only child or not. Uh, yeah, I think Towns has at least one. So does it, I don't know anything about D'Angelo's family, but I know we got we got to learn. That's why maybe, I'm asking the question. I'm gonna say maybe D'Angelo has like three or four. So I'll, I'll go Russell, please. Ooh. Yes, D'Angelo Russell has four siblings: <sighs> Antonio, LaShawn, Tayshawn, and Chloe. Oh man, Sean and Tayshawn. Yeah, uh, Towns has Malika, Malika, yeah. Malika, and Lachelle. Okay, two. Uh, so right. two. So. Yeah. Siblings are great, and now we know more about Russell's family. He's the new school wolf. We got to get to know him, you know. Yeah, now we know why him and Carl are so connected. You did really well in that game. Thank Neil. you. A lot of good guesses there. Um, awesome. Well, that does it for game. That does it for Wolves Cast uh, here for you this week. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, talk about Ryan Saunders and tattoos and all this other stuff. It's good times. Very uh, heavy D'Lo episode today. Yeah, D'Angelo. He heavy, was the yeah. he was in full court press. He was the sponsor. He was in fan fiction. He was in Weekly Wolfie, and now he was also in the game. Rightfully so. He had a good week. Some amazing shots hit. Right. Some just incredible bombs. Some just like, oh wow, he shot that. Oh, it went in. Wow. So so I don't know. I feel such like a great arc. Always so smooth. Crazy. It's like poetry. Just the release. It's so fast. I can't believe how quick he gets it off. Just yeah. like a snap of the wrist, and it's gone. It's just like, wow. I can't wait to see him play with Carl. Doesn't yeah. that sound so such a, like an exciting prospect? I wonder if that will happen soon. Sounds supposed to be re, you know, yeah, re uh, checked up on his 
uh, on his wrist. So hopefully we have good news for that. Maybe this Friday, I think, is when the checkup comes. Maybe so. next time well, we record, we'll be talking about games that they both played in. That'd be great. I'm Ooh. going to the game on Sunday, so right. if you're there, give me a shout. Towns, if you're listening, play on Sunday. It'd be great. More importantly... Yeah, I'll be at the game Friday, uh, the Orlando game. So, oh, nice. Yeah, we'll both be around Target Center separately this weekend. Sounds great. Yeah, so if you're, if you're at the game, holler at us. Maybe we can high-five or something like that. But yeah, we'll be back uh, next week with another show. Please uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Check this show out on Canis Hoopus. We'll see you next week. Go Wolves. Michael Barrett. Nice. I almost said Michael Beasley. Excuse me. Malik Beasley with the triple. Well, it's easy to do.